This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. Pass the middle and front shot, score! There it is! The game-winning goal! Oh, I'm really excited about the Knicks. Um, you know, it's been a very up-and-down year, but they, but more up-and-down. You know, I'm, I'm a little biased here, but I'm going to go with the Rangers over the Islanders in the first okay. game of their series. And here's your host, David Marr. Everybody. Welcome to episode 26 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. I'm Andrew Spazano alongside David Marr, and we are finally, have, we've made it to finals week, and we're going to be done with the spring semester of college wrapping up this week, thank God. Um, just got out of a final literally 20 minutes ago. Um, David, how's your finals week going? Uh, it's been it's been good. I, I just finished up writing a, uh, a script for a class on Monday, um, worked on a journalism project, excuse me, with one of my friends on Tuesday. And then I just had my last class for audio production and had to write a paper for that. So I have one more essay, but I've officially moved all my stuff out of my room and then planning to leave after our show is concluded. So yeah, no, I'm going to be having my dad up tonight to help me move out. So over this past weekend, David and I had a blast. We went to Yankee Stadium, and, yeah, it was very hot. I think both David and I got pretty sunburned, um, but <laughs> we had a great time. David, you know, obviously I've been to a couple of Yankee games, but this was your first live sporting event since the start of COVID. What would you think? I really liked – all the protocols, I thought uh, Yankee Stadium, the protocols were good. They had um, um, security just double-checking to make sure you're wearing your mask. Um, obviously, social distancing protocols were in effect. Um, I It was good to go to Monument Park for the first time. I've never been there, and I've gone to Yankee Stadium. That was my third time this Sunday, and I've never been there. So to go check it out um, during COVID was pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, I, I – it, other other than the score being two nothing Yankees, then uh, it was pretty pretty fun experience. Yeah, no, um, it was definitely a low scoring game, but we saw Corey Kluber go eight shutout innings, ten strikeouts, um, and it was a good win for the Yankees. And transitioning into baseball, we're gonna start by talking about the New York Yankees, who have been the hottest team in Major League Baseball in the last fifteen games. They've gone ten and ten and five, and that's the best record in the bigs now obviously they had that terrible start but they're finally starting to get some momentum you know you got John Carlos Stanton who's on a 10 game hitting streak and he picked up four hits last night in that very emotional and intense game against the Houston Astros David what do you think what do you think of the way the Yankees are playing right now I I still think it's a learning curve with their offense but they look a lot better the last couple weeks um, then probably that game against Atlanta, um, you know, their offense is finally hitting its stride. The pitching has been unbelievable. Uh, Domingo Jermaine pitched, uh, yesterday, didn't get the win, but he was outstanding, but the Yankees bullpen, I think has been the main reason they've been able to, when they get a lead, they're able to shut it down. And, uh, with their bullpen or all this Chapman's having a great season. And then of course, last night, First game against Houston since we all know the 2019 ALCS um, and the crowd was into it and the Yankees put up seven runs. So, you know, the offense is finding its footing and when it's not, they have that good bullpen to lock it down and they're back to they're back to playing uh, Yankees baseball. Yeah, no, the Yankees really last night, they fed off the energy of the crowd. And I actually just saw that they're upping the stadium capacity to 33% and I think next week, and they're also getting rid of the requirement to bring a negative COVID test. And they're also expanding it to full capacity if you have a vaccine. So you're going to start to see more fans in the stands in the Bronx. And yeah, the Yankees offense has picked it up. 
You know, Aaron Judge is on fire. John Carlos Stanton, obviously, like I said, he's on a 10-game hitting streak. Um, you're also seeing Glaber Torres playing much better at shortstop. He turned a fantastic double play last night. And, yeah, that was a big opening win in the series against the Astros. And, you know, they got Montgomery and Cole the next two nights. So, hopefully they can pull off a sweep in this heated rivalry. So, let's transition to your team. And currently still sitting in first place by two and a half games, the Boston Red Sox. You know, they had a win over the Detroit Tigers last night. You know, this is definitely a series I think the Red Sox want to sweep because, you know, you're seeing the Yankees and the Rays, who have both won three and four in a row, starting to creep up. It's important that the Red Sox win these games. Um, how, how are the Red Sox looking right now, David? Well, one caveat to the Red Sox good start, and it's come up time and time and again, is their bullpen. And the Red Sox had a really sizable lead on the Detroit Tigers after five. Then the Tigers got four in the sixth inning after Nick Pavetta, who pitched pretty solid. He only pitched five innings, but had a good outing. Other than that, he was uh, gave up six hits, uh, struck out eight. Uh, so he's been a nice silver lining to this season, but I'm not sold on this bullpen yet. I love this offense. I think JD's back in good form. Xander Bogart's having a great season. Uh, Kike Hernandez had a shot yesterday. Um, Hunter Renfro has been outstanding, but this bullpen needs to work. Austin Bryce was terrible. Man Andresi continues to struggle. Adam Montevino, the former Yankee pitched okay yesterday. Other times he's looked, you know, he's been a little inconsistent, but I really do appreciate Matt Barnes coming in and closing the door. He had, uh, he came in with one on the eighth inning and uh, kept the Tigers off the score sheet. So the Red Sox can be good if their bullpen can be good. So um, once they figure that out, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, pitching is the key for them. Obviously, they have a very good lineup. You know, Xander Bogarts is having a great year. And obviously, you have Devers and J.D. Martinez is looking like a potential MVP candidate. So it's definitely going to come down to pitching for the Red Sox because I do think that the New York Yankees, you know, with, with them picking it up, it's going to be a tough race for the Red Sox down the stretch because the Yankees pitching has looked outstanding this year. So it's really going to come to, I think it's going to come down to those two teams in the end. It's looking like it right now. So we'll shift over. We'll look at the other divisions. So looking at the AL central, one team that is catching my eye is the Chicago white Sox. You know, they won seven of their last 10. Um, they just did have a very significant injury to their lineup though. Um, second year player, Luis Robert, is out 12 to 16 weeks, which is a big blow to their outfield. They're also missing Eloy Jimenez, but their pitching has looked really good recently. They have a run differential of plus 37, so they've been blowing out their opponents. You know, Carlos Radon threw a no-hitter a few weeks ago. He's been outstanding. I think he has a sub-1 ERA. You know, that's the team that I'm looking at right now in the Central, thinking that they're going to – they're probably the front runners. I would agree with that. I think Chicago's been pretty solid. I think well, I we both picked uh, – I we didn't pick them to win the division, but there's a little bit of offensive inconsistency. There's, you know, one day they can put up 11 against Detroit. Next day they lose 5-3 to the Indians and then beat them again 7-3, then lose 5-0. The offense has to be consistent for them to be good. I would not sleep on Cleveland. You know, Cleveland at the beginning of the season – uh, struggle out of the gate. They really couldn't score. And now that they're, you know, they're not, they're not scoring a ton of runs, but they're being um, held down by their good pitching staff. Uh, Beaver's been terrific. Uh, their bullpen's been outstanding. Um, I think in the game against Kansas City yesterday, they were down three, nothing going into the sixth inning and scored seven runs and the bullpen held down the fort. So watch out for Cleveland. I, I think Cleveland's a player in this division, obviously Minnesota, they could get hot at any time. You just don't know when it's going to be. But don't count Cleveland out of this division race just yet. Yeah, no, Cleveland definitely has the pitching staff to really pose as a challenge in that central. You know, obviously the teams like the White Sox and you know, the Royals, they're still sitting in first place. Um, they're also a team to watch. But, yeah, that could be an interesting division race down the line because I think you got four teams and then there's Detroit, who's the worst team in baseball, just sitting there in the bottom with their minus 66 run differential. But um, moving on to the West, one team that I really want to talk about is the Los Angeles Angels, and they have really struggled recently. You know, they've lost three straight, Um, you know, and the problem hasn't really been their offense. You know, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are both having 
all-star slash elite seasons. You know, Otani's doing it on both sides of the ball. But the rest of their pitching staff has really killed them. You know, they've given up 156 runs, which is the most in the division by far. They have a minus 25 run differential. Their bullpen has been atrocious. Um, and, yeah, I'm just – I'm concerned about the Angels. You know, I knew going into the year that – and it's been the same theme since Mike Trout's been up. They just haven't had good pitching. And you're seeing that take shape right now, I think. Yeah, I I still believe in the Angels. I, I think it's just going to take them time to get their pitching staff figured out. Um, you know, obviously they're not at the schedule that they want, or they're at the the record that they want at this point in the season. Um, a little offensive inconsistency, pitching has been a little bit up and down. Um, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are both great, but there's no other contributors to this offense, and it's it's going to be a struggle. I would also throw uh, Houston into that mix of teams that have struggled out of the gate. Um, you know, Houston is. Up, going into the Yankee series, this is a series that Astros really needed to get going, and and then for them to lay a goose egg seven three and having three runs come in on a, on a ball that really shouldn't have been thrown over to first base, they've, they've lost three of five. Their offense has been on and off at times, and I don't think their bullpen is that great. I think their starting pitching is okay. I don't think their bullpen's that great. So I'm not as high on the Houston Astros as I am on the LA Angels right now. Yeah, the Astros are very concerning, and you're seeing Jose Altuve's, like, one for his last 20-something. Um, you know, he's really struggled. Um, and also, Alex Bregman and Correa, you know, they haven't looked too great either. And, yeah, they're pitching. They had nine walks last night against Yankee hitters, which is not a recipe to win games. Um, but right now, I'd peg Oakland as the favorite to win that division. They've really been hot. Um, they won three straight, so watch out for them. So transitioning into the National League, and I'm looking at the National League East, and all five teams are 500 or worse and all separated by two games, with the Phillies currently at the top of the pack. Um, and one team that I want to talk about are the New York Mets. You know, they've allowed just 89 runs this year, which is – the best in the big leagues, you know, their pitching staff has been dominant lights out, but they've scored 76 runs. So they, they've allowed the least amount of runs in the league and they still have a negative run differential. Their offense has been absolutely terrible. Uh, Francisco Lindor's hitting like 150, I think, you know, he's really struggled. They just fired their hitting coach the other day. I'm really concerned about the Mets and now Jacob DeGrom might be out for a significant period of time with a side injury. So they could be in trouble, David. And I think they were your picks to win the division. What do you think? I think the NL East has become the equivalent of the NFC East in, in the NFL at this point. Um, I just, yep. you know, there's no consistency with the Mets. And it goes back to be, having Jacob DeGrom pitch a, basically the entire game, and they still can't score. Um, you know, I go back to the game against the Red Sox where DeGrom was lights out with six innings. The bullpen came in, kept the Red Sox to only one, uh, kept the Red Sox to only one hit, and the Mets didn't score. I, I, I'm honestly wondering when the trade deadline is for the MLB and how long it's going to take Jacob DeGrom to, for him to want to out of New York because his offense can't score. I, I'm, I'm thinking that it's that level of desperation for Jacob DeGrom. I know he wants to win and his offense can't score, but, you know, it's a little bit of a hot take. I know that, but I, I don't know who I believe in this division. I thought I believed in the Braves and they've really struggled. Um, they're on and off with their offense. And then their pitching staff's been a little inconsistent. Washington has its bright spots with how good their defense is, but they can't score. The best team right now is Philadelphia because they can score and they've got probably the best, better starting lineup in this division at uh, starting rotation. And, yeah, the standings are reflective of that. You know, the Phillies currently sit atop the division, but just half a game up over the Nationals and the Mets. You know, that's going to be one of those races that I think comes down to the wire. I'm still going to stick with my original pick, the Atlanta Braves. You know, I, I think their pitching is going to pick it up. Their lineup's dynamic. I think Ronald Acuna hit his 10th home run of the year last night. You know, now that he's back and healthy, uh, he's obviously a dynamic player. And I think he might be the front runner to win MVP in the NL as of right now. So 
that'll be a fun race to watch. Moving on to the Central, um, one team I want to talk about are the St. Louis Cardinals, and they have won eight of their last ten, including five straight games, and they are the only team in the division with a positive run differential. You know, their pitching has looked pretty good. Adam Wainwright had a solid outing the other day. Jack Flaherty's been great. And then the pickup of Nolan Arenado, he's got around an 850 OPS. You know, he's been really good. He's also been flashing the leather at third base. Paul Goldschmidt's having a good year. Paul DeYoung at shortstop. Yadier Molina at catcher. You know, I really like this Cardinals team, and I think I picked them to win the division, and I'm feeling pretty good about that one right now. Yeah, I like the Cardinals. I think that they've really caught a lot of people's eye. Paul Goldschmidt, um, another good pickup, has been outstanding. Obviously, their pitching staff has been unbelievable with Adam Wainwright uh, back in his form. But did anybody notice what the Chicago Cubs did to the L.A. Dodgers over the on their doubleheader on Tuesday? I mean, they just ran them out of the building. I mean, they they beat they you know got Clayton Kershaw out of the game uh, an inning in after putting up four runs on him in one inning. And then they won the second doubleheader after coughing up, I think, a three-run lead. The Cubs are finding their stride. They're not Their offense isn't great, but they've won four of their last six. And the two games they've lost have been because they got outslugged by the Reds. So if, if the Cubs can just be okay on offense, they've got the pitching staff and the bullpen to handle it. They can make a play at this division. They're only three and a half games out. So watch out for Chicago down the stretch in this division. And the big storyline for the Cubs has been Chris Bryant. He's hitting 320 with nine home runs. And now he's really struggled the last two years, but he looks like he's back to his MVP form that we saw in 2016. You know, I would definitely watch out for the Cubs. You know, the only thing that concerns me is their pitching. You know, they don't really have a reliable ace and their bullpen's a little inconsistent, but that was an impressive two wins they picked up over the Dodgers yesterday. And speaking of the Dodgers, they're the team I want to look at in the NL West. You know, they have a great run differential. I think it's plus 38, but they have lost eight of their last 10 games. And, you know, and one of the big concerns I have about them is their bullpen. And you saw it take shape last night. You know, they had a three to one lead. They were one out away from splitting the doubleheader and Javi Baez hit a game time two run home run. And then David Bodie, I believe, hit a walk-off double off the wall to win the game. So that was just an, a gut-wrenching loss for Dodgers fans who, you know, at this point of the year, with the amount of talent that they have, they expected to be comfortably sitting at the top of the division. But they're currently behind the Padres, and they're tied with the, they're tied with the Padres and watching the Giants who sit atop the division. And the Dodgers also just took a big blow to the rotation. Dustin May is going to be getting Tommy John surgery. So he's done. Um, you know, it's just been a struggle for the Dodgers recently. And, you know, I think they need to get Cody Ballinger healthy or they're going to, they're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they're in, they're in a really tough spot because they've lost eight of 10. Um, they haven't been able to put up a lot of runs. Um we did see them put up 16 while we were at Yankee Stadium against the Brewers, and it felt like they were okay. And then they laid two goose eggs to the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley in a, in a doubleheader that I thought that that was going to be a confidence boost that went in Milwaukee. So I don't know what to think of the Dodgers other than they need to get healthy and they need to start getting more runs and being more productive. But I want to talk about San Francisco. I, I don't think anybody expected San Francisco to be this good at this point in the season, I, you know, they've had an up and down last 10, uh, five and five, obviously coming off a disappointing loss to Colorado, but they've been, they've been pretty good. I, I like their offense. They're getting a lot of, um, a lot of production. They put up 10 runs in one inning and how good has Mike Talkman been since he's been uh, picked up by the giants, you know, Brandon belts had an outstanding year. Uh, Buster Posey looks like he's back in his prime. Uh, Brandon Crawford's had a pretty solid year. And their starting pitching is pretty good, too. And don't sleep on the Giants' bullpen. I think their bullpen's underrated. Watch them in this division. They're going to be a tough out, along with San Diego. I think they got back uh, got back in gear. Um, I still don't trust their bullpen. But those three teams, I think, are now in the, in the hunt for the division. Yeah, that was actually – I was going to transition to the speed round. And one of my questions was going to be, what, who's the most surprising team at this point? And the Giants definitely have to be one of those teams. You know, they've looked really good. Their pitching's been solid. 
Their relievers have been good. They've got this guy, Trevor Rogers, who throws submarine and he's looked unhittable. Um, and then Mike Talkman, you know, painful as a Yankee fan to see it, but he's doing a great job over there. You know, I really wish the Yankees held on to him, especially with the way Aaron Hicks has been playing right now. But it's good. It's good to see the Giants, you know, back in back as being a top team in the league because, you know, I've always I've enjoyed watching them. I've enjoyed watching those championship teams in the early 2010s. But for the speed round question, getting back to that, I want to emphasize the. I just want to put a little attention on the Kansas City Royals. You know, yeah, they've lost three in a row, but they're having a really good year. I'm really impressed with the way their pitching staff has looked. You know, Brady Singer's been solid. And then Andrew Benintendi's starting to hit a little bit over there. And Salvador Perez, Whit Merrifield, Carlos Santana, and Michael A. Taylor have been great pickups. I definitely think we need to watch out for the Royals. Is there another surprise team you want to talk about, David? Uh, I'm going to go with Oakland. I don't think Oakland was expected to be, much like the Giants, this good at this point in the season. They had that really long winning streak um, at the beginning of the season. And then it, it got snapped against Baltimore, which I thought was a little bit of a shock. But um, since they came off that um, losing two out of three to Baltimore, they've won three in a row. They took out Toronto, pretty impressive win uh, against the Jays, who I think are a surprising team on the other side because I, th- I think that they've been inconsistent as far as offense goes. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero has been up and down. Bo Bichette can be one of the best hitters on this team and then can stink the next day. Um, and their pitching staff has been a little bit up and down as well. You know, their offense can be great, but I don't believe in their pitching staff to really get the job done. They've been a, they've been a surprising team, um, on the wronger side of things. Speaking of the wronger side of things, the next thing I want to look at, who's been the biggest disappointment in baseball this year, which, which individual player. And I'm going to start by talking about Francisco Lindor, Mm -hmm. you know, for the Mets, you know, he had these really really massive expectations coming into the year and he's hitting just 163 with a 494 OPS. He's got a negative war, you know, one encouraging sign is he's got a similar amount of walks to strike out. So he's putting the ball in play, but only three runs batted in. And, you know, he, he's, he was ranked as the best shortstop in the league by many networks coming into the year. And, you know, the Mets need him to pick it up. Um, you know, I think he's been an F, he's kind of been the poster boy for the Mets' offensive struggles this year, and I saw he was disappointed to see that their hitting coach got fired because I don't I don't know if it's fair to blame that, but yeah, Lindor's been the most disappointing player for me in the league so far. I'm gonna pin this on an entire organization, and I'm gonna say the Minnesota Twins because I thought that going into the season they would repeat as Central champions, and they have really struggled. I know that they had a, that that COVID outbreak in LA, and it took them some time to get it going. But they 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 can't hit. They can't. They've really struggled scoring runs. Now they again they've got back to the right side of things. They took two out of their last three. They put up 19 runs in those two wins. But they've been so inconsistent as far as offense. I think I thought they have the best batting order in the league. Like you, you get Josh Donaldson, who's a good third baseman, but can also hit well. Nelson Cruz, Byron Buxton, who I think are, are good players. Max Kepler in that leadoff spot. And they're 11 and 17 this year. They're fourth in the division. I mean, they could still get it going, but right now I'm, I'm very disappointed in the way Minnesota's played the first 28 games of the season. Yeah. They're sitting five games back from the top spot in that division. You know, the twins have really been a disappointment and you know, their, their pitching has been great. Um, they really got to figure it out um, or else they could be, It'll be interesting to see what if they do anything at the deadline to address that because they have a pretty good farm system. So I'm, I wonder if they're still hovering around 500. If they're if they improve and get to around 500, I bet you'll see them make a move. Um, so final speed round question: What World Series potential matchup would excite you the most? Um, I want to say Dodgers Padres, but I think that would make a good NLCS uh, series. I would probably say. Um, you know, I would probably say the Yankees and probably the Cardinals. I, you know, I think it, it'd be an exciting series. I think that two upcoming teams, um, you know, two good two good pitching rotations, some big bats on both uh, on both sides. Um, 
it would be a shootout. It'd be a shootout or it'd be a good pitching duel. And that would be a really exciting world series. I think a world series that I would love to see would be the Yankees and the Padres, you know, a rematch of the 1999 world series where the Yankees took down the Padres. I think they swept them. Um, but the Padres have a lot of electric young players. They got Fernando Tatis. Now, obviously Yankee fans and Manny Machado have some beef, so there would be excitement there. Then obviously it would be a really fun pitching matchups. You know, the Yankees obviously have experience with Blake Snell. You know, you'd get to see Garrett Cole go up against you Darvish. I think that could be a fun series if we were to get to that. So let's transition to the NHL. And there is some bombshell news that just came out. The New York Rangers have just fired their general manager. They fired Jeff Gorton and John Davidson. And, and I'm just like everyone else. Like what? Like makes no sense. It just came out of nowhere. Um, so obviously the Rangers, you know, they've lost three, three in a row. They had a tough one against the Capitals the other night. Um, they're out of it, but David, are you surprised that the Rangers fired their GM and their president? I'm shocked, but I'm, I'm trying to process. I literally just learned this now that you just told me, but, um, you you know, I, I, I think because it's the end of the season, things have to be changed. I don't think the Rangers were doing enough. They didn't make any moves at the deadline. Um, that really caught anybody's eye. They stuck with stuck with their roster, and it just didn't work out. They don't have a lot of goaltending depth. Keith Kincaid is not that great. Um, I think that their defense can be good, but their offense has really a couple stars, and that's about it. That would be Panarin, Zibanejad, and um, I'm trying to think of this one other guy, maybe Kako, but. I don't think that the Rangers Mm -hmm. did enough at the deadline to really make a playoff push. They were right in it. They were in the middle of the playoff push and they didn't do anything at the deadline that had to signal the change in my mind. And yeah, it's a disappointing year for the Rangers and what it signals is they need to make a lot of moves on that roster. If they're going to be playoff ready for next year. Yep. Um, You know, I'm really, I was really surprised and I'm also still processing this. That's why I wanted to see your gut reaction. Um, it literally came out right when we started started the show. Um, so I, I actually – I'm not disappointed in the Rangers this year because they were playing in a very stacked division, you know, with 70% of their games being against the Penguins, the Capitals, the Bruins, and the Islanders. You know, that's really a tough schedule. And, you know, they, they're very young. I thought that – I liked the process of young – of a young core that the that they were trying to build up. Um, you know, obviously they had a really interesting situation the other day. Um, Tom Wilson, you know, Buchnevich was on the ground and he was, he was hitting him in the back and like pushing him into the ice. And Artemi Panarin tried to break it up and Wilson ended up throwing Panarin to the ground head first and Panarin's out for the season and the NHL, all they did, they gave him a $5,000 fine, no suspension. Meanwhile, the Rangers just lost their best player for the remainder of the year. And, you know, I'm infuriated. And the Rangers released a statement yesterday saying that they're very disappointed in the NHL um, for how, how they handled this. And they're very disappointed. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens tonight. You know, the Rangers are playing the Capitals at home again. And Tom Wilson's probably going to be in the lineup. I wonder if we see some form of retaliation. What do you think of this situation, David? Uh, I was I was stunned when when the news came out that Wilson was going to get fined. It's just it was really like and I saw the play and it, it's clear like the play is blown dead. Bushnevich is on the ground. You obviously can't get up. And then you see something like that. And it's it's infuriating as an organization when you are literally sitting back there and watching something like that happen. And the NHL doesn't do anything about it. I I wholeheartedly agree with the statement put out by the Rangers saying that there has to be some kind of punishment that's not a $5,000 fine. That's like ripping off a Band-Aid. You know, it's something so minor and it's, you know, it, it makes no sense for the Rangers to put that statement out there is is a good sign. And it, it shows that like you have to be a little bit more strict when putting somebody out for punishment because your, your player is on the ground. He just took a cross check to the neck and he's he was face first on the ice. And it's a $5,000 fine. Obviously, that wasn't the right move for the NHL. And it clearly shows that the, the Rangers want change, but I don't know if they're going to get that change. But I, I applaud them for standing up as an organization. 
Yeah, no, um, obviously it was crazy. You know, it's going to be an interesting game tonight. So speaking of the East, um, all four teams are confirmed for the playoffs. You got the Penguins, the Capitals, the Boston Bruins, and the Islanders. We still don't know the seeding yet. There's still time to go, and all those teams are separated by five points. But, David, what's which team in the East are you looking at right now as the favorite to get that number one spot? I was going to say the Bruins up until they blew a 3-1 lead last night to the Devils because um, they've been probably the more dangerous team. They now can compete with Pittsburgh. They can compete with Washington. They can compete with the Islanders. The Islanders, to me, have been a really big disappointment. They just lost two games to the Sabres on the road. They've lost uh, five of their last seven. Um, they lost three games to the Capitals that I felt like if they win all three, they're going to be the team to beat in the East. Um, I, I think it's Pittsburgh because I, I really like their offense. I think, um, you know, Sidney Crosby's back in MVP form. Jake Gensel's having a great season. Um, their goaltending is really taking a turnaround for the better. And I go back to that, that two game series against Washington. You know, the Penguins were looking so good. Now they go to Washington in a rivalry series. How good are they? And, and they dominated, they, they won game one in overtime and then they come back the next day and, and flat out shut out the Capitals. That's, that's impressive for the Penguins. I think that they're going to be the, probably the team to beat in the division, but I still would not throw out uh, the Bruins. I think that they can be a very dangerous team if you don't take them seriously. Yeah, the Bruins are very dangerous. Um, I agree with you on the Penguins. Um, and plus, their final two games, they're playing the Buffalo Sabres. So th those are two games that I think they should win. And, you know, I would also throw in the Washington Capitals in there. But I think I think they're going to have a tough time tonight against the Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to be very fired up, obviously, about that Wilson incident. And I think they're going to come out swinging. Um, then they have three against the Flyers. And, yeah, the Flyers stink. But um, – one of those games is – and that, no, no, they have two against the Flyers and one against the Bruins. That game against the Bruins could be a really interesting one to watch because that will wrap up their season, and that will be in Washington. Um, but, yeah, I think the Bruins are definitely a team in the playoffs, though, that I wouldn't want to see. So transitioning to the Central, and I want to congratulate you. The Florida Panthers are in the playoffs. You know, they're sitting at 75 points. They're two points ahead of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, what, what's your takeaway in the Central? Well, first off, it, it's great as a Panthers fan to say we're back in the playoffs. It's been a long five years, and there's been so much talk of we got a new coach, we're going to be good, and then we get a new GM. But then when you make all these moves and say that we want to win right now, I mean, that's, that's perfect. Like, you get Joel Quenville, one of the best coaches in hockey. You have a guy like Barkov who's having a – underrated season. I think he's got to be one of the contenders for the Hart Trophy. You get a guy like Patrick Hornquist who can play physical. You get a guy like uh, Radko Gudis, who's a hard hitter. You get uh, Sam Bennett at the deadline. He's been terrific. Uh, Nikita Gusev catching fire at the right time. Um, I think it's good. They've won four games. I will say that the Chicago series was a lot closer than it should have been. And then the game against Dallas the other night, I felt like the Panthers could have easily ran away with that game if they would, if they just played more aggressive and didn't let the stars back in. Um, but this is a, a good break for them. They get to watch Tampa play against Dallas. They get to get healthy. And once they get everybody back healthy, except for Ekblad, who's out with the injury to his leg, they're going to be a really good team to watch in the playoffs. And it will be so fun to watch the Panthers play Tampa Bay in round one. I don't think they're going to win the division at this point because Carolina is too good but they could still earn home ice against Tampa Bay. And that would be such a fun series with the Panthers and the Bulls playing against each other. Yeah. That big Florida rivalry, you know, um, obviously I think there's still question who's going to get the two or the three seed. You know, I think, I think the Panthers right now, you know, they've won five straight games. The lightning have been a little inconsistent down the stretch. You know, I like them right now um, or four. Right. Um, so I'm excited to see the, how that race ends up being. And that's going to be a really fun series to watch. And man, I would love to see the Panthers beat Tampa and take on Carolina at some point in the playoffs, because, you know, I, I mean, yeah, obviously they've struggled against them this year, but man, wouldn't it feel so good if they go into a series and end up beating them, you know, that would be awesome for Panthers fans. If they could just win one series, 
then I'll be okay. I don't care if we win the Stanley Cup, but let's at least win a playoff series before we're ready to, you know, take the next step before, uh, you know, because I, I don't think we – I don't believe in us to beat Carolina at all. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. So, moving on to the West, you've got three teams that have clinched, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Minnesota Wild. So, those three are in. You know, there's still a race – going for that final spot between the Blues, the Coyotes, and the Kings. It's looking like the Kings are probably out of it, though. You know, they're nine points out. And the Blues are sitting five points ahead, and they have three games in hand over the Cardinals, so or the Coyotes. So it's looking like the Blues are going to get that fourth spot. What do you think right now about the West? I think Minnesota's an underrated player at this point. I just go back to that. Um, that game the other night against uh, the Golden Knights where, you know, the, it was like, I think it was like five to, th- it, was, it was going into the third period, five, three, Vegas, everything in their favor. They were controlling the game. Um, and the Wild scored three goals in 10 minutes. They get Fiala with his 20th. He's having an underrated season. Uh, Kaprasov got his 24th. Um, he should be the rookie of the year, in my opinion. And then Jonas Brodin, 20. Six seconds later, with the with his ninth of the season to get the winner, that shows you heart it, that this wild team has, and that's what makes them dangerous. They're young, they've got a great goaltending staff, they've got a great defense, and they're one of the hottest teams in the league right now. I mean, they've only lost two games since the middle of April. I mean, they've been absolutely outstanding. Those two losses were to St. Louis, one was in the extra frame, but they were close. And so, even if they lose. It's a close game. You know, they're, they're always going to be in it. They're always going to fight back. They're never out of it. And if they play, I'll tell you what, if I'm Vegas or Colorado, I don't want to see Minnesota in the first round because the wild have played really tough against the golden Knights and the avalanche uh, this season. Yeah. Well, no, Minnesota's definitely been good this year. You know, obviously Kaprasov has been a beast. Um, I really like Zuccarello. I like some of their defensemen. Um, I definitely wouldn't want to play them. They've picked up points in nine of their last 10 games. You know, they're hot. Um, so looking at the two top teams, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Avalanche, um, which of those teams do you think is going to come out on top? You know, Colorado still has a game in hand, and they're just two points behind the Knights. Wow. Um, I, I, I think the m- more explosive team is Colorado, but I think the more complete team is, is Vegas. Um, because they can play good defense. They could score a ton of goals. Um, I still think Colorado can score a bunch of goals, but I just don't believe in their defense. Um, I think Philip Grubauer is a good goaltender. Devin Dudnick's a solid backup. I just, I don't think that their defense is like a, a great defense. I think it's good, but, but, you know, to lose three games to the Blues and then the Knights and only put up combined six goals, get outscored 14 to six and three games that just shows you I don't I don't believe in this defense so the, the team that's probably more dangerous is Vegas because they can score and they can play defense I agree um well on Monday you're actually we're gonna have a matchup of Colorado and the Golden Knights in Vegas I think that's gonna be a very fun game to watch you know it could be a preview of a matchup we see in the playoffs um at some point but, yeah, I agree. I think the Avalanche, they've had some inconsistencies in the beginning of the year, but then they really heated up. But I don't love their defense either. And, you know, the Golden Knights have really – they've just been consistently dominant the last few weeks. Um, so, I, I think I think they're going to end up getting that top spot too. So, moving on to the North Division, only two teams have clinched so far, and it's to no one's surprise, you know, you got the Leafs, and the Edmonton Oilers, and then you got four teams technically still alive. You know, I think I don't think Vancouver is going to be alive soon, but you got Calgary, who I also don't think is going to be there either. Um, then you got Winnipeg and Montreal, so it's looking like those two teams are probably going to get those final two spots. And if you're Toronto or Edmonton, which of those teams would you not want to see right now, or in the playoffs? I would say Montreal because I think that they're catching fire at the right time. Uh, they've won four or five. They won two or three against, or excuse me, they beat Toronto in overtime. Uh, Cole Caulfield has come in. He's played absolutely tremendous. He had two overtime winners against the Sens and the Leafs, uh, including two days ago against Toronto. 
Um, they've been dangerous. Their goaltending's played well. Their defense has been terrific. Um, I, I think that, and uh, you know, Jake Allen's coming around too on the goaltending position for Montreal, but they've been really solid. They're fifth in shots allowed. They're sixth in shots on goal. Um, I, I would not want to play the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens if I'm Edmonton or uh, Toronto at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Montreal, you know, they've had an up and down year, but one thing that's been pretty consistent, they haven't been terrible defensively. And, you know, Carey Price has played pretty well. You know, he's got 12 wins. Jake Allen's not too bad. You know, I would definitely be nervous of the Canadians. They also have Toffoli and Anderson who have got good years as well. So I'd watch out for them. So, yeah, um, moving on to speed round, um, what potential playoff matchup of the East and the Central? What's, what's one matchup you would love to see come playoff time? Um, I would say probably Nashville and Carolina would probably be the more intriguing game. I know Panthers and Bolts is going to be the more fun one, but I'm interested to see who comes out of the four in the Central and can really stick up to Carolina. Dallas has been too inconsistent. They can't win an extra time. But I look at Nashville. I think they've got the defense to go toe-to-toe with Carolina. You say Saros is a sleeper for the Vesna. Um, their defense is coming around. They're scoring a ton of goals. Um, I believe in Nashville. Do I believe them in them to beat Carolina? I think they've got the team, too. I just don't know if, if they can go toe-to-toe with Carolina for seven games. Yeah, a matchup that I really want to see on the Eastern Central or is the Penguins and the Capitals. You know, obviously, I love that rivalry between Crosby and Ovechkin, and I don't think we're going to get to see that round one necessarily, but I definitely think round two you can see it happen. Um, you know, I think right now both of those teams are sitting as the top two seeds, and I definitely think that they could hold on to those. So it's probably not going to be till later in the playoffs that we get to see that. But that's something that would intrigue me. So now we looked at that. What's, how about the teams in the North and the West? What's, what are some playoff matchups that we'd like to see there? Um, I'd like to see Toronto against Edmonton. You know, Toronto's been a thorn in Edmonton's side for most of the season. Edmonton has won a few here and there, but haven't really consistently beaten them. Um, and, and they obviously won't get to play again this season um, in the regular season. But I think the Oilers are much like, um, what did I just mention? Nashville uh, catching fire at the right time, or it was Montreal. They've won four of five, or excuse me, five of six. Um, impressive wins against mm-hmm. Winnipeg, who has completely fallen apart. Um, the Canucks, who are coming along. Calgary taking one out of two in there. And then uh, before that, beating Montreal one out of two. So, uh, Connor McDavid's just an absolute star. He paired up with Dreisaitl. Darnell Nurse is a, um, what's the defense? Uh, the Norris Trophy candidate. Miko Koskinen's played well. The Oilers and Leafs would be a really fun playoff series because it would be a shootout almost every night. I agree. I would love to see a Leafs and Oilers series. You know, obviously, I don't think we're going to see that in the beginning. That's something we'd see later down the road. But that would be exciting. You know, I'll look at the West and talk about teams you talked about earlier. I really would like to see the Minnesota Wild and the Avalanche. You know, I, I really, as you were talking about before, Minnesota's, they're, they're a tough out. You know, they're going to bring out their all every night. And I really think that they have a chance to pull up a couple wins in a series against either Colorado or even Vegas. You know, they've really been solid all year. So, talk, speaking of McDavid and of McDavid, outside of McDavid, who do you think the best player in hockey is right now? Um, that could be just about anybody. I would probably say Crosby. I think Sidney Crosby is the other best player in the league right now. Um, just the way that he's been playing recently, he can, you know, he's catching fire at the right time. Um, I've said that too often now, I'm going to have to back that up, but, uh, he's been outstanding 23 goals this season, 37 assists. Um, he's played terrific the second half of the season. Um, he's put up three goals in his last two games. Um, He's, you know, his plus minus has been a little inconsistent, but he's been, uh, he's been terrific. And he's the reason that the Pittsburgh Penguins are where they are right now. I'm going to go with Austin Matthews in Toronto. You know, he's had 39 goals this year, 63 points. You know, he's been a beast. You know, I've enjoyed watching him just grow as a player over, over recent years. You know, he's really starting to evolve into a superstar. He's got, 
great line mates. He's got Mitch Marner, you know, Nylander, Tavares around him. You know, I really like Austin Matthews as one of the top players in the league, obviously outside of McDavid, because I don't think there's any dispute that he's the best player right now. Um, so moving in to NBA action, we saw we're, we're looking at the East and the Sixers have clinched the playoff spot. They're sitting a game and a half above the Brooklyn Nets and they won five in a row. And David, do you think the, what, what do you think right now of the East? Do you think the Sixers are the team to beat right now in the Eastern conference? I do. I, I think Philadelphia's turned it around. They've won five straight since uh, that uh, last losing streak that they had. They've been really solid. I still think that there's a little bit of defense to work out. They had to come from behind to beat um, San Antonio in overtime after the Spurs forced OT. Um, they struggled against Chicago. Um, but you want to be playing your best basketball at this time of the year, and I feel like the Sixers have done that. I will say this, though. Do not sleep on those Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. I think the Bucks have been, out of those top three, they've been the best because they've won three straight, two against Brooklyn. They just came off of two good wins against Philadelphia um, uh, last week, and um, their offense has gotten going. Giannis is an MVP candidate right now, um, and that. But watch out for tonight. Bucks are on upset alert. They're playing Washington, and the Wizards are a team that. We've said all year it can be a really tough team to beat in the play-in series. So, but out of the, out of those three teams, I believe in the Milwaukee Bucks right now because they've beaten um, those top two teams four times in the last uh, week and a half. Yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks have looked really good. They're really catching fire at the right time. Now, obviously, Giannis had a forty-nine point game the other day against the Nets, and I want to bring up the Brooklyn Nets, and they are not playing their best basketball at this time of year. They've dropped three straight games. They lost by almost 20 at home to the Portland Trailblazers who have been a little up and down recently. And then I had two tough losses against the Bucks. you know, Brooklyn. I'm concerned about Brooklyn, you know, defensively, they've just been lackadaisical all year. I feel like, and you know, they're, they've got Harden, Kyrie and KD and they haven't been consistently playing. You know, you've seen injuries with James Harden, you know, Kevin Durant's been in and out of the lineup. You know, Kyrie missed a lot of time early on. He's been playing more recently. And their role players have been a little inconsistent, too. You know, I'm not sure how I feel about guys like Blake Griffin right now or Landry Shamet or Joe Harris. You know, when looking at it in comparison to teams like the Bucks and the Sixers, who have looked more like a complete team, you know, I'm, I'm concerned right now about the Nets going into the playoffs um, and – I think they're going to have trouble if they match up against the Bucks or the Sixers in that second round. Well, let's hope that you get to that second round first, but uh, I, I'm not that panicking about um, the, the Brooklyn Nets just yet. You know, they, they, they beat the Celtics who needed to win that game. They beat the Phoenix Suns. They had outscored the Phoenix Suns at home in a, in a great game. Um, so I, I'm not that panicking about the, the Brooklyn Nets. They, they, you know, yeah, Clunker gets the, the Portland Trailblazers. I think they took the Milwaukee Bucks for granted. Um, but Kevin Durant's still having a good season. The one thing about Brooklyn is they're constantly injured. And we see what happens when one of those guys is out of the lineup. They're just not that consistent as far as defense goes. And um, I, I still I still think that they're a, a contender in the East, but they need to stay healthy and just get back to playing fundamental defense if they're going to win out the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um... You know, I definitely think if they can just get healthy and play well down the stretch, you know, I'll, I'll have confidence back in them again because obviously that offense is just so dynamic that they're going to be really hard to go up against in the playoffs if you're any team. But one team that's going to be a pest that I definitely wouldn't want to play right now, and it's the hottest team in the NBA right now, the New York Knicks. My New York Knicks have won nine of their last 10 games, three in a row. And, you know, they went in as underdogs the other night in Memphis, and they won by 14 points. Derrick Rose with 25 points off the bench. Julius Randle with 28, six and six, playing like a top five MVP candidate. They were even talking about that on shows like First Take. Um, you know, the Knicks are starting to catch people's eye. You know, they're seeing nine games above 500, and they're a game and a half of a 
ahead in that four spot race, which would be so huge because that would secure them a home playoff series to start. And the Knicks have been dynamite at home this year. You know, they've played very well. David, what do you think about the New York Knicks right now? I think that they're dangerous. I think that they're a dangerous team. And I, I go back to that game last month against the Celtics and you and I were there watching the game from, uh, from York Hill and obviously a, a, a tight game on the road against a division rival and you come up a little bit short. They only lost one game since then. And that was against the Phoenix Suns in a game that it looked like the Knicks could have pulled out. So I believe in the New York Knicks. They, I don't know if they'll make a deep playoff run, but they can easily win a, a potential um, seven game series against whoever comes out of that number five spot, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's Miami, if it's the Celtics, if they are somehow able to play defense. Um, but I believe in the New York Knicks. I think uh, Thibodeau's done a tremendous job um, in New York. He's definitely got to be consideration for coach of the year. Julius Randle is a, an MVP candidate, but it's good to see that the Knicks are playing together and they're not playing like it's one guy controlling everything. Although I will say Julius Randle's kind of been that guy, um, but Derek Rose has played tremendous. RJ Barrett's been great. Uh, Reggie Bullock's had a great game and you mentioned underdogs in Memphis. I thought Memphis was a good team and you know, the, the Knicks had to put up 44 points in the second quarter and never really looked back. So I, if they could keep this road trip rolling, you know, they've got tough games coming up. They got to go to Denver tonight. Um, and Denver's played so much better um, since Jamal Murray's been out. You got Phoenix coming up and you got both LA's coming up after that. So if, if the Knicks can go three and one on the next, in the next four games, then um, I think that they're for real. Yeah. I think this next four game stretch is going to be crucial you know, the Knicks, they beat the Lakers the last time they played them, but they were also missing Anthony Davis. Um, I think the Clippers game, saw, I think I'd be happy if the Knicks were able to split those because those are some really tough games on the road. And, But, yeah, I, I definitely think those are going to be fun games to watch. Um, and I'm, I'm happy for the Knicks. I think Tibbs is going to get coach of the year, or at least I think he's deserving of it. I think Randall should definitely at least get most improved player. Um, and I, th- I think Derrick Rose was the best pickup at the trade deadline of any team because he's really, really helped that offense grow. You know, they were struggling offensively, and now they're almost up to 108 points per game. So they're starting to figure it out at the right time offensively. So looking at the rest of the East, so it's looking like teams like Toronto and the Bulls are falling out of it. You know, the – Raptors are sitting three and a half games behind the Wizards, and the Wizards have really heated up. They've won eight of their last ten. They won the other night. Um, and they are a team that I would not want to play right now. And guess who would be playing them right now, David? Your Boston Celtics. What are, what are your thoughts on that potential matchup at the season we're at now? Um, somebody better uh, – uh, fire Brad Stevens by the end of the season because that is a series I would not want to – bear witness to but I will say this about Washington they are a defensively challenged team because they could put up a ton of points they put up 154 against Indiana the other night and they only won by 14 because Indiana kept scoring and scoring but Washington was 61 percent from the field Russell Westbrook had 14 points um I'm trying to think of Bradley Beal at 26 Hachimura this guy this forward from Washington has been absolutely terrific since he's come in um, he's played well. Good play. Um, yeah, Daniel Gafford's been outstanding. Davis Burton's, um, he's played great. Alex Lennon, 12 points. So they're getting a lot of contributions. But if the Wizards had to play the Celtics right now, I think the Celtics should just give them a free pass with the way they've been playing. They've been so inconsistent. Um, I, I don't even think they, they, I don't even think they should be a lock for the playoffs if they continue to play like this because they could come off a really big win against Charlotte and a Jason Tatum can hang 60 points on the San Antonio Spurs. And then they show up two days later and later and get crushed by the Portland Trailblazers at home. And they're not a lock to win these upcoming games. You know, Chicago's beaten them before. They got two against Miami. Who's going to be fighting for that number five spot and potentially the trip to New York that follows. And then they have to play Minnesota on the road. And Minnesota has been a tough team to play against recently. And then they got to go back to New York. And depending on how the Knicks are going to uh, welcome the Celtics into that game, you know, and we were on the, we were on the subway in New York. And I was saying like, I would really love a Celtics Knicks uh, first round series. And it's still, in, it's still in play, but at this point it, it's hard to not say the Celtics are 
worthy of one of those other two spots at the way they're playing right now. Yeah, no, the Celtics, you know, we've talked about it all year. They've just been inconsistent. You know, one night they'll go out there, they'll give up 86 points against the Suns, and then they'll give up 120 points to the to the Magic or something like that, or the Cavs. You know, they're just not consistent defensively. And then offensively, you know, I, they obviously they got Jason Tatum. They got Jalen Brown. I think Kemba Walker's been a little inconsistent this year. Um, and then their bench, they haven't gotten consistent production there either. But I definitely do think that the Celtics are going to – obviously, they're going to get one of those spots. And I do think if they were to play in a series against the Wizards, that they would have a good shot, especially with that being at home. You know, um, they would just have to they're that, that defense that we saw in games like against the Suns would have to show up. Um, so now transitioning to the West, you know, we've got two. We got the this race between Phoenix and Utah is just insane. You know, they're both they're both 47 and 18 tied for the top spot in the division. Then you got the Clippers who are sitting three and a half games back and the Nuggets. Like you said, they've played better without Jamal Murray. They've won eight of their last 10 games, and they're sitting in the four spot. But looking at the rest of the division, there's some teams that I'm really concerned about, and the Lakers are just one game away from having to play in that play-in series. I mean, who would have thought? A lot of people had pegged the Lakers as the favorites to win the division this year, or the West, or the West this year. Um, what's your biggest takeaway from the West right now, David? Um, that... I was wrong to write off um, the Denver Nuggets at the beginning. At the when Jamal Murray got hurt, I thought, all right, the Nuggets are done. They just lost one of their best players. They've got such a tough schedule coming up. It's hard for them to run the table and get a big playoff spot. I don't think they've looked back. I think they they played arguably their best basketball since he's been out. Um, I think their defense is coming around. Yeah, they laid a clunker against the Lakers and didn't score a ton of points, but. Um, Nikola Jokic has been tremendous. He stepped up in the absence of Jamal Murray. Um, I will just say that Denver's got such a difficult schedule. They got to play Brooklyn tonight at home, and then it's a trip out to Utah, and the Jazz are going to need that to try to catch Phoenix. And then it's against Brooklyn, and then a four-game road trip to round out the season against teams that they can they can beat, but their offense has to be consistent enough for, for them to win. Um, and I will say this about Portland. They, they really need to turn it around really quickly. There's winnable games on that schedule, but they are not playing like the team that we saw in the month of uh, March with like this dominant team of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and those guys. Um, they can win on the road against Brooklyn and Boston and then go to Atlanta and get whooped. You know, they've been just as inconsistent as anybody in the league. So you know, the West has some good teams and it has teams like the Lakers who just can't seem to, you know, catch a break whenever it comes to injuries or lack of production offensively or something like that. Yeah. The problem with the Portland trailblazers, you know, obviously they had, they had McCollum out for a while, then Lillard missed a little bit of time, but their defense has been terrible this year. And I think that's what's held them. You know, they had a rough loss the other night against the Hawks. You know, you got, 53 combined points from Lillard and McCollum, which should be good enough to win games. And Powell, they put up 114. They still lost by nine to the Hawks. But I was impressed by their win over the Brooklyn Nets. And they also had a good win on the road over the Celtics. So I I think the Blazers are going to be a team that's fun to watch in the playoffs. Um, But, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by Denver. Another team I'm impressed by is Dallas. You know, they won seven of their last ten. Luka Doncic just played well. They had a nice win the other night on the road in Miami. Um, yeah, Tim Hardaway had 10 three-pointers. He's done a really good job off the bench for them. Um, Richardson's been solid. And Jalen Brunson's been good, too. I, I used to love watching him in college. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the Mavericks. So, moving on to the speed round. So, looking at the current play-in matchups – in the East, you got the Celtics would be taking on the Wizards. We talked about that before. And the Hornets would be taking on the Pacers. Who would be your favorites in those two series? Uh, the Wizards and the Hornets. I, I still believe in Charlotte. Um, they could get LaMelo Ball back, and he could provide a spark to the offense. Um, they've been playing pretty solid defense as well. 
Um, you know, they're five and five in their last 10, but they've won two of their last three. Um, they just can't beat, they beat the teams they should beat and they lose the games they should lose. That's just the one thing about them that I just don't like, but um, I think that they could go toe to toe with the Indiana Pacers. Um, and then Washington is just too much offense. The, the Celtics have really struggled against Washington this season. Um, I think that's a matchup the Celtics would not want to have in the, in the play-in series. Yeah, I agree with you on the Charlotte one. You know, LaMelo Balls, he's back, and he's been making SportsCenter top 10 passes, and he's, it looks like he just hasn't skipped a beat. You know, I think Charlotte would – I think that's a good – Indiana's a good matchup for them. I think they would take that. But I think I, – I would pick Boston, I think, over the Wizards, and the sole reason is that the games are going to be in Boston – you know, I think with fans back in the stands, that'll play a role. Um, you know, I um, I also think the the Celtics. You know, I, I feel like they show up for the games that they're on prime time, especially recent. I remember that game against the Bucks earlier in the year. They showed up. You know, I think when the when they have the spotlight, they usually come up big. And I think that if that if their defense can play well, I'm taking them over the Wizards. So we'll move to the other side of things and. Yes, it's looking like the Pelicans are still in it. They're two games behind the Spurs for that 10 spot. But for the sake of argument, we'll just say that they don't make it. So you would have the Portland Trailblazers hosting the Spurs and the Warriors hosting the Memphis Grizzlies. Who would you take in those two series? Um, I would go with Golden State over Memphis. And I would, I would honestly take Portland over San Antonio just because San Antonio can't close out games. Um, they've had really gruesome overtime losses, um, that OT loss to the Celtics a couple of days ago, and then they lost an overtime against Philadelphia. They don't have that real closing ability, uh, to finish games out. So I think that, um, the Blazers would beat them. And then I just think Golden State has the edge over Memphis because of Steph Curry and the way that he's played. Um, I know it's been an up and down season for the, for the Warriors as well, but they get the next six, they get their last six games at home. Great chance for them to move up in the standings, maybe get sneak their way into that number seven spot if the Blazers continue to fall apart. Maybe even the sixth if the Lakers keep uh, falling apart. So I would go with uh, Golden State and um, Portland. Yeah, I agree with both of those picks. I just think the Blazers just – I think they have too much offense for San Antonio. And, you know, obviously with that being a home series, I think that's helpful for them too. So, yeah, I would go with Portland, and then I would also go with Golden State. Um, you know, Memphis has really been – they've kind of let me down a little bit recently. They've been a little inconsistent. They didn't show up to play against the Knicks the other night, it felt like. Now, obviously, their defense had that massive collapse in the second quarter, I believe it was. Um, and, yeah, I just – the Warriors, you know, their playoff experience, you know, you got Draymond Green. Obviously, you got Steph Curry, and it's a home series at the Oracle, you know. I'm not picking against them there. So two more quick questions. So first, who do you think the MVP of the league is right now? Um, if if Phoenix comes out, it depends on who comes out with the number one seed in the in the West. If it's uh, if it's Phoenix, it's Devin Booker, and if it's Utah, it's Donovan Mitchell. Um, the way those two guys have played, um, I don't know who's going to be the first to slip up at the finish line. Um, I think it'd be tough for Phoenix or for Utah. I think Phoenix has a little bit of a harder schedule than Utah. So my edge would go to Utah. And if, if Utah wins the number one spot, um, then I got to go with Donovan Mitchell. I still, I still think if the Knicks get the number four spot, Julius Randle could be in consideration, but um, I don't think anybody had Utah or Phoenix finishing the number one spot in the West. So um, I would go with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, no, both of those teams have been outstanding. But I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic on Denver. You know, after Jamal Murray went down, he's been outstanding. You know, he's averaging a little over 26 points per game, almost 11 boards and almost nine assists. Also, he leads their team in steals per game with 1.4. You know, he's been outstanding, and he's been a good leader for that Nuggets team. And, you know, he really makes a difference on that court. I would also throw Julius Randle in there because the Knicks would not be in this position without him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been their catalyst. And if they hold on to that four spot, he definitely should at least be in consideration for a top five nomination for it. Um, but right now I really like Jokic. Um, and then finally, what 
as of right now, what's your ideal NBA Finals matchup? What would excite you the most? Um, I would really love to see Philadelphia go toe-to-toe with uh, Phoenix. Um, I don't know if we've gotten that matchup this season, um, but I think Philadelphia and Phoenix would be a really fun matchup because both those teams can score. Um, Okay, we did get it once. It was in Phoenix, and the Suns won that game. I don't know if it's been in Philadelphia. I'm trying to double-check that now. Okay, it has. so Phoenix has won both games, but still they've been close. They've been high-scoring. Um, and the way those two teams are playing, it, it feels like they're on a collision course with each other. So um, I would say Philadelphia and uh, Phoenix. I would also say um, the Knicks and probably the Clippers out of those two L.A. teams because it's New York and L.A., um, two of the really more popular cities in the United States playing in a, in an NBA finals. I mean, what more could you ask for with, with the way those two teams have played? Man, that would be something if the Knicks made the NBA finals. I don't think, I think I'd, I would lose my mind. If I'd be so excited. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I think the match, the matchup that I would love to see is the Phoenix Suns, like you said, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And the last game that they played, the final was 128-127 Phoenix in overtime on the road. Um, Devin Booker had 24 points. Chris Paul with 22. They had four of their starters at 20-plus points on the Suns. Meanwhile, Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday each had over 25 points. You know, I think that would be a really good – off. I think that would be a high-scoring series. You know, you got two really very great offensive teams going at it. And I would love to see the Suns and the Bucks. I definitely think it's a possibility, especially with how hot the Bucks and the Suns both have been down the stretch. So with that, that is going to wrap up episode 26 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. For David Marr, I'm Andrew Spazano, and we will see you next week.